Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Oh, you can turn to Daniel chapter 9. While you're, while you're turning there, that's where we're going we're gonna to start out today. But Lord, it is good to be in your house. It is good to read your word. It is good to support people going on missions to a, a hard land, Lord. It is good to collect for the food bank, God. It is good to worship your name. It is, it is good to do these things. And so we thank you for Jesus Christ and the price that he paid on that cross that our sins can be forgiven. And then not only that, but for the work in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that renews us and transforms us. And God, we come to your word. In his name, amen. Before we get into Daniel, I want to tell you kind of where we are this week and next week. We were taking four weeks and we're talking about prayer. Why? Because in August, we're going to do 21 days of prayer as a church, and I want people to be ready to pray. So we talked uh, two weeks ago from Colossians. We read a prayer that Paul prayed for the people in Colossae, and it talked about um, being strengthened in your understanding and being able to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord. Man, my prayer for you guys, and I hope your prayer for me, is that we could walk worthy of God, that we would live these lives the right way. Um, last week, we talked about Elisha when he was surrounded. Him and his assistant were surrounded by armies. And Elisha prayed for him, and he said, you know, Lord, open his eyes so he could see. And this idea that, that there is a spiritual world out there, and sometimes, you know, we forget about it. We forget that God is is spirit, and we can't like see him, we can't touch him, but he is all around us, and and there is, sometimes we need to bring our eyes up and realize that, you know, things are bigger than we realize, that our own little perspective is not as important as God's perspective. And today we're going to go to Daniel, we're going to read a prayer that he prayed in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, but before we, we go in there, a little background on Daniel. Um, people probably, when I say Daniel, you. But why was Daniel lion's den? If you anybody heard that story, right? Daniel in the lion's den. He. But why was Daniel sent to the lion's den? The reason he sent is be, was sent there is because when he was a young young man, probably early to late teenagers, his whole country was just destroyed by Babylon. Babylon came in there. And they destroyed it. They killed people, things, but they took people every Jason, I'm going to embarrass you. Hurry up. Come on. But I want you to picture Daniel, a young man, was one of the many people that were taken back as slaves. So they bound him up. They brought him back as slaves. They took him from his family. And they did what, what you would do if you were, like, a horrible, nasty person. They looked at all the slaves, and they said, you know, who are the ones that... that don't look dumb, that looks like they're pretty smart, that look like they're responsible. And one, Daniel wound up rising to the top. That's true. They looked and they picked out certain young people and they put them in school and they made them to be the administrators of the kingdom. So Daniel, from a young boy, was captured, enslaved, forced to go to school, and he winds up rising up very high in, in the Babylon Empire. And there was something that he always did. He always 
prayed. And I want you to take back and I want you to picture that little boy away from his mom and dad in a land where he's a slave and all he does really have is God. And he had this, this system, this, this method, this routine of constant prayer. So much so that God kept blessing him because he kept going to God and, and seeking God's blessing. And God blessed him till he rose up to be very high in the kingdom. And when people wanted to find something wrong with him, he wasn't stealing money, even though he was over the collection of money. He, wasn't a, he was honorable. They couldn't find anything but his prayer life. And they used his prayer life to send him to the lion's den. Thank you, Jason. I didn't mean to embarrass you. But now he's an old man. In chapter 9, he's an old man. So you can look at me, an old man. All right, so he's an old man. And that's what we're jumping into. He has this prayer life. He's in a land where he is a slave, even though he's kind of risen through the ranks in the government. He's still... He didn't choose to be there. He was forced to be there. And it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by by descent, a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldean books, the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord, Jeremiah the prophet, must pass until the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. All right. You might not have understood that. But Daniel, not only did he pray, he also studied the scriptures. And one scripture that he had access to, at least we can tell from here, was the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, have um, Jeremiah 29. Anybody ever heard of Jeremiah 29? In fact, what is Jeremiah 29, 11? It's probably on maybe a bumper sticker or one of those little wood things you put in your house. In fact, let's put Jeremiah 29, 11 on the screen. It should be back there. This is a very famous scripture, right? It says, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. This chapter, I believe, was the basis for Daniel's prayer. And there's a few things I want to pull out for prayer, because not only do I want you to know the story, I want you to know some principles. How did Jeremiah, the reference, I'm sorry, Daniel, Daniel started off his prayer time with a reference to Scripture. Your prayers will never be super powerful until you know what Scripture says. A lot of people do a lot of praying that is not like the praying in the Bible, And they wonder why it's not working. And Jeremiah started it by Jeremiah, sorry, Daniel started it by looking at this. And in fact, put verse 10, go back up a verse in Jeremiah 29. This is where it starts. And many of you might not have 29.11, but this is the verse that comes right before it. And here is a great principle. This is free. You can take it and do what you want. But if you want to know what a verse means... Read the ones on top of it and under it. That'll keep you from a lot of trouble. So it starts off here. Jeremiah has a prophecy. says, thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. Talking about Israel, Jerusalem. So that whole thoughts and plans, it actually starts after this. 
Daniel, it would have been really easy for Daniel to have started his prayer something like this. Lord, your word says you have thoughts and plans for me, for my welfare. But he didn't start there because he had a good understanding of how to operate scripture, how to interpret scripture. And he started with this prophecy that they would be in Babylon for 70 years. Why were they in Babylon? They were in Babylon because the nation had sinned. They had turned their back on God. They had stopped worshiping God and started worshiping idols. God couldn't have that. Not because he was necessarily mean, but he needed Jerusalem to be ready for Jesus. Jesus was coming, even back then. And he needed that people, that place, and that system set up so that the whole world could be blessed through Jesus Christ. So Daniel, he reads this, and then he realizes he's an old man now. This was likely near the end of his life. His time in Babylon was coming to an end, and he said, oh, it's been about 70 years. And so he set himself to pray. Jeremiah 29 talks about God does has a plan. God does have a plan. But sometimes it might be after a little bit of a... that They had to walk through some consequences before they were going to be able to um, experience the blessing. So principle number one, if you want a good prayer life, know your scripture. That's why I'm going over this prayer. You're going to see a lot of principles you can pull out of scripture that can make your prayer life better. Know your scripture. So Daniel knew that the time was up. And now go to verse 3 of Daniel chapter 9. So he knew the time was up. 70 years has been fulfilled. And he says, then I turned my face to the Lord. Like that, I want you to read this and hear what Daniel's doing. But then I, then I want us all to put this into our own prayer lives. When you sit down to pray, are you like turning your face to the Lord? Are you, are you turning your heart to him or are you, are you going through just a bunch of words? Are you just babbling or have you turned to him? It says he turned his face to the Lord God and it says seeking him. Jesus told us that if we ask, seek, and knock, we'll find, we'll receive an answer to our prayer and the door will be opened. So he was seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So right here, he started by prayer and pleas for mercy. Why would things that you need to ask for mercy? In fact, if you go through the Bible, you can find bad things about Abraham. You can find bad things about David, Moses. Not really a lot written about Daniel's sins. But he starts with asking for mercy because he knows it's all about God's mercy. And then it talks about fasting. Fasting is the denial of food for a certain time while you're seeking God. Fasting, I'm just going to be honest, fasting is not deactivating your Facebook account. Right. That might be good. That might be the best Daniel was, was not eating. And then this idea of sackcloth and ashes... 
that was like a tradition where they would dress in sackcloth. They would take off like comfortable, nice feeling clothes and put on these rough clothes and cover their heads with ashes. And it was a sign of mourning, similar to how maybe we would wear black to a funeral. That was their, their mourning outfit. So he's mourning. It's interesting that he starts off his prayer from a place of humility and mourning, right? He could have, and I think this would have made his prayer not work, he could have started off his prayer by saying, hey God, 70 years is almost up, let's party. Like, thank you God. No, he came with an attitude of humility. If you want your prayers to have like, to land or to make it, or to, or, or to work. Humility, man. Coming to God with a humble heart. A humility. In verse, um, verse 4, it says, I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. Confession. Saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Another principle, remembering who God is. See, even though he started from this place of humility, he remembered who his God was. His God is a God that's great and he's awesome and he keeps his covenant. Covenant, that's, that's a promise. That's an agreement that God had made with Israel. God made that agreement with Israel and he was going to be faithful. And the scripture shows us that he was. But he's also made a covenant with us that, that, that can't be changed. And so when you come to God and you remember that covenant, that promise, that gift that he's given us, and steadfast love, his love does not change. Steadfast love. Verse 5, he says, and this, I don't want you to miss this word. Look at the first word of verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly, and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. That first word, as I was studying this, and as I was thinking about this, I can't really see a lot that Daniel had to apologize for. I know he's not perfect, I'm sure he's sinned, but it's not like David where you have the story about him like getting a man's wife pregnant and killing the guy. Like, there's not that in there, but that we. See, not only did he remember God's word and keep his prayer centered on God's word, which we should all do, not only did he remember God's covenant and his steadfast love and that, hey, this prayer is going to be answered because of who God is, not who I am, but he remembered that he was part of the people. He was part of Israel. You and me... Don't we sometimes see things wrong with the church? When we pray for the church, whether it's Lakeside Church, another church, or the church like Universal, that idea of saying we instead of they, of like identifying like, God, we've missed the mark. We have, I don't know, gotten materialistic or gotten... Um, put entertainment above everything or turn in the church word or whatever you see in the church or like talk about money too much or whatever you see in the church, don't make it a they like because you're part of the body, right? So it's a we. It's a we. And I just think 
Like that's a humility. Because when you're praying for they type thing, but when you put yourself down, you're like, you know what? I'm no better than them. This is we. We are the problem, not just them. Why do I say we are the problem? Because every one of us has something in our hearts that can turn aside from God. Every one of us has made mistakes. Every one of us has probably at some point remembering that, that we're not perfect. And then he lists the things that they've done. Verse 6, it says, we... Again, he's using that word, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Even though Daniel was, because how did he start the prayer? By listening to Jeremiah. But he didn't come from a place of pride. He came from a place of humility. If you want your prayers to start, like, to go to the next level, find out how to humble yourself. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Verse 7, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us an open shame as it is this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel. Those who are near and those who are the lands to which you've driven them because of the treachery they've committed against you. So he's saying, God, there's shame on us. You've given us this blessing. You've given us this calling. You've given us this covenant. But we've turned our back and brought shame. See, sometimes we need to acknowledge our shame before God so that Christ can take that shame from us. So that Christ's work on the cross can be properly applied because we are coming with a humble heart in need of salvation as much as anyone else. Verse um, 9, to the Lord our God, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. So even though he's like really taking, in a sense, kind of taking the sin on himself, I'm not talking about how Jesus took the sin. Jesus took sin in the sense that when he died and he put himself right there with the forgiveness. And so he didn't let shame or guilt or condemnation become greater than God's mercy. But he didn't ignore it either. And you got to do both. You got to recognize, like, I've sinned, God. I've, I've, I've dropped the ball. I've, I've had a bad attitude or whatever it is that you've done. And there's shame but yet greater than my shame is God's mercy. And greater than my, my sin is God's forgiveness. Verse 10, it says, And we've not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Verse 11, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Verse 12, He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and our rulers who ruled us by bringing on us this great calamity. For under the whole of heaven there has not been anything like what was done against Jerusalem. So even though there was a judgment and it was horrible and Daniel was taken away as a slave as well as many people were killed and it was, if you go and read the Old Testament, when they took over a country there was no like Geneva Convention. Like it was pretty bad. And even though he looked at that calamity, he realized that that calamity actually spoke to God's faithfulness because God said, if, if you do these things, that will happen. 
In verse 13, it says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Verse 13, this can be us, and I pray it's not. I honestly do. It says, because this has come upon us, we're reaping the consequences for our sins, and yet we still haven't turned back. In fact, it would take 70 years before the nation started to turn back to God. They didn't look for God's face sins, turn from their iniquities. How many times do we get into the consequences of our sins and we keep our eyes stuck on those consequences instead of turning back to Christ? Instead of saying, you know what, I've got these consequences. I've, maybe you got fired because you came to work drunk. That's a consequence. It just means you might have to own up to it and walk this thing out. Figure out how to get free of whatever you're bound by and figure out how the cross of Christ can fix your situation through faith. Verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and brought it on us. So God said what he was going to do and he did it. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he's done, and we have not obeyed his voice. Verse 15, And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned and done wickedly. So throughout all this repentance, there's still this remembrance. And I'm going to tell you, if you can add those two things in your prayer, like repentance and remembrance, repentance for your sin and remembering the good that God has done, your faith get built, is built up. Because it's the, the, the repentance that brings kind of humility, and it's that remembrance that builds your faith. Like, we remember, God, you brought us up out of Egypt. I remember that, God. And as slave Daniel is now, Daniel was part of the people that were in Egypt as slaves brought out into their own land, given their own place by God's grace, and now he finds himself back as a slave in another foreign land. And he's saying, God, you did it before. You had given them a promise to bring them to Jerusalem. Well, God, bring us back. And when you pray, like, do both. Don't just get so caught up on your sin that you forget about God's mercy and the remembrance of grace. Verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all those who are around us. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I think this is where it gets really good. He's done his remembrance about God's mercy and his covenant and his forgiveness and his works of the past. He's repented for sin and, and, and kind of that, that collective sin the nation had. And so now, therefore, verse 17, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. This, now go back up, go back one slide, please. And for your own sake, O oh Lord, if you can figure out how to mean that, God, not for my sake, 
but for your sake, God, for the sake of the name of Jesus, so that people might know that Jesus is true. Like, if you can have your prayers geared to where they are designed to bring glory to God, that's good. Because you start at a place of humility and you start at a place of remembrance and repentance, but then you say, Lord, but, but for your name, for your name, God, do something for your sake for your glory. Like there's something powerful in that. And then that idea of making your face shine upon your sanctuary, that's the idea of getting someone's attention. How many of us, have you ever sat with somebody and you're trying, I'll use Caleb, you're trying to have a conversation? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll put it down. But that idea that when, when somebody just doesn't you know that they're, they're engaging with you, and it's this idea like, God, don't turn away from us, but put your gaze on us right now. Take my mind of us, like, see us. Even though he always does, there's, there's this idea that what, sometimes God gives us his attention and his mercy, and we can just receive it. Verse 18, it says, Oh God, my God, incline your ear and hear He's saying, God, hear us. Open your eyes and see the desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our unrighteousness, but because of your mercy. So he's saying, God, we, we deserve this. This has come upon us because it's what we deserve. But yet, Lord, we're praying because we know you're a righteous God a merciful God, a forgiving God, a God who remembers his covenant, and a God who's moved powerfully in the past because you brought us out of Egypt. So God, because, not because of our righteousness, but because of your, your mercy. See, that's a hard thing. Some of us, we might struggle at that point. Some of us, you might be living life pretty well. You might be doing all the things well. You're going to work, you're doing good, you're taking care of your family, you're taking care of your spouse, you try your best to be a good parent, and yet we got to remember all of that is still not good enough. And when we pray, it's, it's, those are not the reasons that God hears us. So when you pray, sometimes it's good to say, God, not for my own glory or because of my own righteousness, but just because you're merciful, just because you're powerful, just because of your own glory. There's power in being able to pray that way and being able to mean that. All these things I've said, I, I, we're going to close in a second, but all these things are not like hocus pocus magic. It's not if you can say the right words that all of a sudden God's just going to be your zombie. Yes, how many wishes do you want? That's not what I'm not. When there's a humility and when there's a remembrance and when there's repentance, and when then there's the reminding yourself of God's righteousness and his mercy. Verse 19, it says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. We just read through that prayer. It took about 30 minutes. I highlighted some points, but, but 
but my hope and the praying that we were doing this morning is that you would take these principles and that your prayer life would be, like I said, grounded in the word, that you know what God's word is so you know how to pray, grounded in, in humility and repentance, filled with the remembrance of the Lord. See, see, prayer, it's about the easiest thing to do because you just need a tongue and a little bit of air. You don't need a lot. But we don't do it. We don't do it. Like if we really, like think about this. If we really believe that we had the creator's ear, that us in this room had the ability to talk to the God who created everything and that he would hear us and he would remember his mercy and that he would do things in our lives for the sake of his own glory just because he wanted to, like, I don't think we'd be able to stop you guys from praying. Like, we pray at 9.30 every morning and if, if people went into prayer with that attitude, it'd be like, all right, guys, we gotta go do the rest of church. But no, I'm here with my God. I'm pouring my heart out with my God. And when, it, when, when you know how to pray, it makes it easier. I challenge you, take this prayer. Read through it. Think about what was the prayer. I place a man who from a young age was a slave and raised to a high place in God's kingdom and who prophesied some things about the end times and and this is how he prayed. We can learn a lot from how people in the scripture pray. Maybe you're going through your own calamity right now. Maybe you're suffering your own consequences right now. This is a good way to begin to pray for God's mercy to be manifest in our lives. Would you bow your heads just for a second? Would you... put the Lord before your mind? Would you turn your heart towards him right now? I share these things not to point fingers or to put people down, but I could see the future and the, the, the possibilities of, of a praying people, of a people that don't just read about prayers like that but can say prayers like that. I could see what could happen in this church if, if people began to pray for the church and, and what could happen in our families and our community, like powerful things can happen. In August, we're gonna pray together and I want you to be ready. But in an honest way, maybe you're thinking, hey, I, I don't pray enough or I don't pray like I should, or at least I haven't been doing it lately. Is that anybody in here? Would you put your hands up? Amen. Amen. Well, I've got a, what I think is a good word for you. Start doing it. Start. God's mercy is rich. It's, it's not hard. He's ready for you. He's ready to hear your prayers. So no condemnation, but just do better. 
not because you have it in your own power, but because God's rich in mercy. God's rich in grace. Lord, you saw the hand of every person who raised, Lord, and I'll put my hand up too. Lord, show us how to be more faithful with prayer. God, show us how to turn our prayer times into times of repentance and times of remembrance. God, show us how to ground our prayers in your word. God, so that we're praying things according to your will. God, show us how to pray prayers that are for your glory and not our own glory. God, show us how to pray prayers that that are humble but full of faith. God, show us how to pray prayers that, that change this church, that change this community, but also see a change in our own lives. We want to be different. We want to be transformed. Please work in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>